HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 31st, 2017. This is the 143rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, I'm doing a special on-the-road episode covering a variety of fabulous food and wine festivals that I recently attended. I have a total of 11 exclusive interviews coming from Pebble Beach Food and Wine, James Beard Awards, and Hot Luck Festival. And I have a special guest calling in who I will introduce in a moment. But first, as I do on on every show, I'm going to start out with a PR tip. And then on this show, we will also have a speed round game and a solo dining experience. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be in the moment. There's an expression that says, if you have one foot in the past and one in the future, you're pissing on the present. Sorry, but there isn't a better way to say that. But it is true. Often our heads are occupied with thoughts from yesterday or worries about tomorrow, while instead we should be focusing on today. So live in the now, as the present is a present. That's my tip today. So, as I said, this show is a collaboration of past interviews. However, I was very much in the moment when I did all of these interviews, and I was honored to be able to speak with so many amazing talents in our industry and hear about their roles and experiences. So first up, I'm going to be talking about Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival, presented by Food and Wine Magazine, which took place April 19th to 23rd in Pebble Beach, California, and they were celebrating the 10th anniversary milestone. And I'm thrilled to have a special guest calling in who was at the festival and very involved in it. Her name is Lisa Marchese. She's the creative marketing officer at the Venetian and the Palazzo in Las Vegas. So, hello, Lisa. Are you there? I am. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I don't want to follow up that quote. The tip of the day. It's too good. You do or you don't? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like I like being in the present. I thought I wasn't sure if I was being too ironic with having all past interviews. But as I said, I was, I was in the now. And... Um, so I, I would love to talk with you about about your role and what, what you do at the Venetian in, in Vegas and then how you were involved with Pebble Beach Food and Wine. Sure. So so what tell me tell me about your what, what your role entails. 
Uh, sure. So if you think about the the comprehensive nature of a, a hospitality experience, so everything you, you see um, in New York when you're thinking about coming to Vegas, whether it's a social media feed, an ad, TV print, um, you hear a great story from your friend who's been here before, really anything that happens before you before you come to visit, when you decide to choose us, and then when you're on property and you have the, the, the totality of the guest experience, that really rolls up through me and my team. So we're, we're focused on crafting the best, the best narrative to entice you to visit and then making sure that experience lives up to every expectation you had. And then um, we try to maintain that relationship with you once you go home. Yeah, so how long have you been with the Venetian and, and the properties? And, and how many restaurants are on all of your properties? Because I know it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. So I've been here since um, last February, so about a little over a year. And then to your point, we have just over 40 restaurants. So the wow. Palazzo and the Venetian are essentially two resorts, but they share um, a campus, and a lot of those restaurants reside in the campus. Um, so great celebrity chefs like Batali, Wolfgang Puck. You know, if you think back to the the early days of the Venetian, I think they really did pioneer the celebrity chef experience in Las Vegas. Um, and then we've branched out. We've got the one of the first female chefs in Las Vegas, Lorena Garcia, with her new restaurant, Chica. And, you know, we continue to expand and update the the food and beverage portfolio across the resort. Yeah, no, that's that's impressive. Um, what what was your role with Pebble Beach Food and Wine? Because I was out there and um, I, I met a lot of your crew, and it was a fantastic <laughs> it was a fantastic couple of days. And you hosted a few events. Um, so so tell me tell me about your involvement. Yeah, well, so we are we are huge fans of Pebble Beach Food and Wine, and and we've either participated in or been to a number of festivals around the country. And Pebble Beach is is far and away the most magical. We've had a longstanding relationship with Dave Bernal, um, who who runs Pebble Beach. He's a great friend and a, an amazing advocate. And so for us, it, it presents a a powerful opportunity to connect with our guests, with influencers, with media, and an an unexpected place. So rather than trying to uh, maybe seduce you to come to the resort, we can go to Pebble Beach and create these really uh, memorable experiences for you there. Yeah. So I was I I, um, I was at the fire pit. I know there was something going on at the the um, in at Spanish Bay. Um, and how did you come about putting that event together? And the the other things. I think you were involved with the Bacuste or dinner or dinners. Yeah, so so we try to touch as many components of Pebble Beach Food and Wine as possible. So we sponsor a whole whole number seven at the golf tournament on Thursday, where we had a selfie station. We did um, we served Dorsey cocktails. We had a super cute little um, cocktail cart running around the course with a Monza stripe, um, serving cocktails on the go. We hosted two dinners, the Bacustaor dinners that you mentioned on Friday and Saturday. Um, we have a, a longstanding relationship with the mentor organization, um, but those dinners were um, uh, unbelievably intimate. Fifty guests, and you've got Thomas Keller, Paul Bartolotta, and Tyler Florence all cooking for you, um, set in a private uh, home, probably more like an estate, yeah. <laughs> overlooking the ocean. Um, so it was just intimate and, and stunning at the same time. And then we also hosted the, the cocktail party at the fire pits, and that feels like, um, you know, Pebble Beach's version of a day club, sans bathing suits. So uh, <laughs> I think it's high energy, great music, great food, uh, and that's a lot of what the Venetian is about, just bringing a little bit of, of joy and fun to the table. So those were great ways for us to do that in the Pebble Beach setting. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. What was what was a highlight, I mean, of the festival for you? Oh, one of those events or, or something else? Yeah, the, the, something about the being at the, the private estate for the Bacuse Door dinner and, and standing in the kitchen quietly, um, trying not to, to attract yeah, any right. attention and just watching <laughs> Thomas Keller plate the food as the sun went down um, was pretty stunning. But, you know, the, I, I think of all the, the food and wine festivals, that's by far one of our favorites. The, the clientele you reach, the, the quality of the experience, um, is really fantastic. Yeah, it was it was a very special 
special few days and it's an amazing festival and David does and his team do an incredible job with it and it was nice to be there for their 10th anniversary as well um I finally got there for the 10th I'd been meaning to get out there for a (laughs) while it was my first yes happy to go back anytime (laughs) because the setting too is just so stunning um it's like you can't you can't beat it so what do you what do you have coming up? Are you are you involved in any other festivals or events you're doing in Vegas themse- it, itself? Well, we just um, we participated in an Uncorked, which is in Las Vegas. But for us, we really want to go out to um, New York, L.A., Northern California, places where the you know the customers we want to come visit um, live and play. So it, next up, we'll be at L.A. Food and Wine this summer. Um, which I don't know if you've been to that, but very, you know, compared to Pebble, which is, is kind of the bucolic setting, it's it's much more urban. Um, mm-hmm. So a great counterpoint um, will be with Variety at the Power of Women event in October. And, and we'll keep, you know, we'll keep looking for new opportunities to, to bring a little bit of our, our kind of curated experience to these festivals or these events. Yeah, no, it sounds great. I did, I did go to LA Food and Wine, the I think it was its first year, so I'm, I imagine it's probably changed or grown or something's happened since then. But it was a great festival, and it is more urban and in the city in a different different style. So, um, well, great. I And I'm looking forward. I need to get out to Vegas, too, and, and check out more of your restaurants and, and different properties. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan, and I like coming out there and, and, and seeing what's happening in the dining scene as well. So well, we'd um, love to have you. Oh well, great. <laughs> um, I will. I'll keep you posted. I'm. I was out there like two years ago, um, hopping around a little at restaurants. So let's um, before before I, I let you go, let's do my speed round game. I'm switching things up on this show and doing things out of order, but I like playing my game with my guests. So um, what this is, is I'm going to give you a choice of a couple things and you just pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? Mm, Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh, chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, Tipping. Okay, a couple more. Dining on the strip or off the strip? Oh, both. I can't answer that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one one that gets a both. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) How about blackjack or poker? Oh, blackjack. I'm a blackjack person. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. And last one, Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Las Vegas? Oh, Manhattan. Wow. Wait, are you originally from Manhattan? I am. Okay. I am. <laughs> well, cool. I don't know. But I love Brooklyn now, too. It's changed so much. But um, Yeah. But I'm a Manhattan girl at heart. Okay. Well, that was great. You were very, very quick and decisive on, on the game. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> it is. It is. No, no, I like it. I like hearing people's answers. So, um, well, thank you so much for, for calling in today. And it was really great to meet you at Pebble Beach. And I, I will let you know when I'm coming out to Vegas. And, and please let me know when you're here in Manhattan or Brooklyn. It would be great to see you again. Oh, that'd be great. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Sherry. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we're going to, what are we going to do? I guess we'll, maybe we'll just swing right into a little more of my Pebble Beach coverage before we take a break. Um, So I, I did a bunch of interviews there, and first up we have Billy Harris, Hanging with Harris. Hi, I'm here with Billy Harris, hanging with Harris. You are hanging with Harris. Hi, Sherry. Hi, nice to see you. Nice to see you. What a surprise. Here we are at Pebble Beach. We Tenth are. year. Tenth year. How many years have you been here? This would be my first 24 hours in Pebble Beach so ah, far. Have first you never year. been to this festival never, ever? Oh, ever. I think this is my first eighth time. or ninth. It's been a lot. Wow. Which is good. Yeah. This one, yeah, it's beautiful. Two years ago, it was like snowing here, and it was so cold. Oh, really? Yeah, but it wasn't snowing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's no, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, we're here. And we're here. Um, are you having 
you're supposed to be interviewing me, and I'm asking if you're. Having I know, a good time. I know, I like this. I want to make sure. That Are you you're having a good time? You know what? I flew here from New York yesterday because I had Batali's event the night before, and yesterday was a long day. But you get here, and that's why I moved to California 20 years ago. It's just spectacular. And then the Lexus driver, nice plug for Lexus. <laughs> they stopped at In-N-Out, got a double double, made it to Pebble Beach, made it one quick loop round at the party last night, and then I went to bed. So today is a fun-filled day. I am hosting six or seven demos. We started this morning with uh, Brian Malarkey. We just finished up his oysters and champagne demo. Then I have Bruce Kalman's Sunday gravy lunch, but it's on Friday afternoon, which is fine. And then to Cat O'Dell's cocktail demo is this afternoon. And then tomorrow is Naomi Pomeroy's demo and Ming Tsai's demo. And then Sunday, it's off to Koshan in Chicago. So busy, busy, but glad to be here. You're such a pro. I don't even have to ask a question. You just you just answer the questions. I, I'm answering. I'm asking the questions and answering them. What do you? What's your role? I mean, you, I'll tell you, you what do I like. the Besides, Well, yeah. I'm. Um, I introduce a lot of the demos. Run the Q and A's. A lot of the demos. At all the demos I'm associated with, we do a little one minute auction at the end, and we auction off Magnum passes to the 2018 festival. And that money raised is for the Mentor Boco Store Foundation. You know, which obviously Thomas Keller and Daniel Ballou are on the board, and of course the team. This year won the gold medal in Lyon, France in January. Yes. And that was the first time that that has ever happened. So they raised a few bucks, which helps all these young chefs and their scholarship culinary programs. So we just did the first one and we raised $4,000 in 30 seconds. So pretty successful. You're amazing. How did you get into being and uh, doing these, raising money? The, uh, the, the long, convoluted, shorter story is... Yeah that I didn't do anything in food, just hosting corporate events. I started off as a kid actor and got into stand-up and worked on cruise ships. And then I got into the corporate market, which was great, just hosting Fortune 500 galas. When I moved to New York in 1992, which, scary enough, is 25 years ago, through uh, our, well, my oldest, oldest friend and mutual friend, Tony Abu Ghanim in Las Vegas. I love Tony. What most people don't know about Tony is that he opened up Poe with Patali on Bleecker Street, on Cornelia Street, in 1993. So I met Mario then, and through Mario, I got into culinary and started working with Mario and hosting culinary events, and that changed my whole life. And like funny guy with a microphone, I guess they needed all kinds of events, and I'm basically culinary Jason, and I do 100 events a year, and probably 80 of them are, have some sort of culinary angle to them. So that's what I do. And then that led into all the culinary events. Hey, we're doing auctions and we're doing fundraisers. And they just thought I was funny and a bit of an asshole and sarcastic. And so I raised a lot of money, such as the New York Food Bank on Wednesday night for Batali. The live auction alone in 15 minutes, we raised $700,000. Um, so big events, little events. There's always a great need to just raise a few bucks. And I'm associated with so many organizations. So that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. You should stick to it. Last question. Yeah. What's uh, How many miles do you, do you get on I've, average a year? Oh, flying? I fly about 200,000 miles a year. But I cash them all in and take my girls. And we live in, in, in Umbria, about an hour south of Florence for the month of July. So that's my time off. Gotta you got, go. You got a great life. Thank you, Billy. Hey, of course. Yes, thank you, Billy. You do have a great life, and you fly more than more than anyone I know. It's pretty amazing. Okay, so next up from Pebble Beach, Grand Tasting. I spoke with a chef who has a connection with us here at Heritage Radio and Heritage Foods. It is Ryan Di Nicola. He's of Kispaka Restaurant in Los Angeles. And then we're going to go right into, I spoke with Doreen Winkler. She's a sommelier from New York City, and she was one of the festival's guest sommeliers. So here they are, Ryan and Doreen. I'm uh, Ryan DiNicola. I'm the chef at Kispaka Restaurant in Los Angeles. So what type of food do you do? We're a meat-centric restaurant. So we do all of our own butchery in-house. We get in whole pigs every week. We break down every part of it and use everything. Um, We do all of our own charcuterie. Uh, We dry-age all of our own steaks. And we do large-format meats, meaning we do 42-ounce tomahawk pork chops that are double-bone loin chops with the belly attached. Uh, We do Bisteca Fiorentina, 50-ounce Pasteca Fiorentina, 36 ounce Costata Fiorentina, meaning bone in New York steaks and then porterhouse steaks. Um, and we, you know, we're very focused, um, Tuscan inspired Italian restaurant. So we don't do any pizzas and pastas, which is very odd for Italian restaurants, but it kind of allows us to focus on uh, meat centric Italian food. 
Sounds wonderful. Question, though. I do a lot of solo dining. Is it possible to solo dine there? Because these sound like very hefty, large portions. <laughs> we, we get that question a lot. We get, okay. we, get, we, we get that. And, you know, like when I became chef there, uh, our owner, Nancy Silverton, and I sat down. And we, we really wanted to make sure that was a focus of what I focused on when I was there or when I, when I became chef there. And so we worked on getting a lot of smaller items on the menu. Um, and even though our most popular items are the large formats, uh, my favorite thing on the menu, as well as Nancy Silverton's, is the um, the Moorish lamb shoulder chop, which is still large. It's still about it's two uh, six ounce lamb shoulder chops, and since it is the shoulder, it's got some nice chew to it. But we marinate it in a version of what we call tikka, so kind of like the Indian tikka marinade. We do yogurt, uh, paprika, coriander, cumin, uh, uh, cardamom ginger and a lot of spices in there um, and it'd be, that helps to kind of tenderize the meat a little bit. We grill it directly over the wood fire and serve with a grilled lemon and cilantro. It is it, it's the, it's got this perfect like accompaniment to lamb itself uh, and so it is a little bit chewy but in all the right ways so it kind of embraces your inner caveman a little bit. I'm sold on it. But I'm we, there. We also, I'm we there. Also, the whole entire first half of our menu of our entrees are all meant to be for one person. So okay. we do have a lot of large formats, but we've really worked on getting smaller items on the menu. Okay. Good to know. And where does this meat come from? Uh, Heritage Foods USA. Woo-hoo! So for all of our pork, our lamb, our goats, our... And now, right now, we're actually doing our rabbits as well, come from Heritage Foods USA. I get a shipment in every week from Patrick, and uh, Patrick and I talk. Uh almost every week to make sure that we're getting exactly what we want to and I couldn't be happier with our relationship with Patrick. It's really great for as a chef to be able to work with Patrick and be able to tell him exactly what I want and tell him uh, you know the specific breeds I like or the specific what I the specs I'm looking for in a certain type of uh, pig and he's able to not only is he able to tell you not only is he able to get it to you but he's also going to tell you which breeds will be better for what you need. Uh, so you know if I'm doing a braise, I'll use a certain type of Berkshire. If I'm, if I want something leaner, he'll say, "Okay, well, let's not use the red wattle this week. Let's use a Tamsworth." Or if I want something a little fattier, he'll say, "Okay, I've got these, you know, really nice red wattles that have a nice amount of fat on them." Uh, so I'll send those to you. So he, you know, he's so helpful with getting me exactly what I want. That's and awesome. he's also a really nice guy. <laughs> he's a super nice guy. This is Patrick Martin. Yes, absolutely. Patrick Martin, founder of Heritage Radio Network. So we're, we're, you know, that's great. That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> So we're here at Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival. How many years have you participated? This is the second year that I've participated here. Uh, second year in a row. So last year I did an event with Nancy Silverton, and then I did a, a grand tasting event. And this year I actually had my own event with uh, Bruce Coleman and Evan Funky. And we actually used uh, Heritage ah. Foods uh, middles to make the porchetta uh, with Bruce Coleman. So I brought in his, you know, I brought in some extra middles this week. We deboned them, and then Bruce made porchetta out of them. You're serving? We serve veal today. Uh, we I, did um, veal tongue sliced very thin, served with salsa rustica, which is kind of like a sauce for biche. So it's hard-boiled egg, tarragon, vinegar, uh, Dijon mustard, and a little bit of bread, actually, to kind of soak up the whole thing. And we put that on a crostini, and we finished with a lot of fresh horseradish. Awesome. And it's kind of our version of the uh, the Jewish style, where they slice it really thin and put it on a sandwich. We just do it open-faced. Yes, I had, I did try it. Do you have time to do anything else? See any sights? So we, we, luckily I've been, uh, we've been off for the nighttime. So I was able to eat uh, the first night at Cultura, which was fantastic because it ended up being, you know, uh, Nancy and I were eating with our crew. So Nancy, her boyfriend, Michael, uh, Kate, and, and my cook Cameron and Liz, our other chef, uh, we all ate together with Dominique Cran and then, you know, Christopher Costow shows up and Daniel Balud shows up and Ming Tsai, Bobby Stuckey from Frost is there. It's like, it was a, you know, it was truly a, a who's who in food. So there are a lot of different events, all of them include wine. And so we are selected, we are selected group of sommeliers from the U.S., and uh, we have basically scheduled for all these events that are going on, which are over 50 wine events uh, in Pebble Beach in four days. <laughs> 50 wine events in four days. Uh, and we're here now at the Grand Tasting. So what are you? have you been pouring today? Um, basically, we were the one unpacking the wines in the morning and putting them on the selected or designated stations um, for the winemakers to basically help them out a little bit and get it set up the way um, we want it to be set up or the festival wants it to be set up. We also pre-tasted uh, all the wines to make sure they have no cork and they're all good to go and are in the right temperature. 
Um, right now I've been um, releasing other winemakers and uh, also having some fun and tasting things that I didn't get to try this morning. What have you tried? What have you tried that you've really liked? Oh, many things, many things. Um, I um, I really like the uh, Chateau Cauvigneau where I actually run into you um, when I released the winemaker. But really, the food today was like on top of, of its game. I, I tried so many things. Um, yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so what what are you up to back in New York City? Consulting on some projects? Yes. Uh, as you know, I only work with natural wine, which is, you know, there's not just natural producers here, but that's fine. It's a really great experience to be here. And um, I work on retainers with my clients with, um, with only natural wine and do consulting services. So a couple restaurants, a couple stores, and uh, I also do a lot of events where I do some pairings with chefs. I kind of need all these different things going on. I can't just be in one place. It's great. We have that in common, juggling things. Yes. But for people who don't know, what is natural wine? Or does everyone know at this point? Well, I don't know if everyone knows, but um, if you really um, put this into a couple of sentences, it's additive-free wine. And there are 200 additives slash chemicals allowed in traditional commercial winemaking. And that's quite a lot. And so there's only a percentage at this point, but it's, it's really growing of um, the natural wine industry. Um, and it's basically how wine is supposed to be made with just grapes and not a ton of additives to make it differently, to really make it taste like terroir-driven wines. When did you start working with natural wine? And it is for those reasons you just mentioned what drew you to it? So um, I was a very traditional sommelier, Michelin star all my life, basically, um, in Germany, in Switzerland, in Australia. I was all over the place. Um, and um, I, I did like all this classic. Um, and then at some point I was like, you know, I've always been like furthering my education, wanted to know more. From me, when uh, Frederick Baselios from Aska had asked me um, to create a wine list that is 100% natural. There's a lot of bad things that people say about natural wine. It has too much acidity or it's um, it has wine faults because we're not using things to try not to have them. Um, but it, I only select wines that are very clean. I'm not interested in funky. I think that is the weirdest word or esoteric. Um, I'm about indigenous varietals in their terroir, in their region, and that are beautiful and clean, and they should they should just taste really good. What do you What do you do in the rest of the weekend? <laughs> so tonight I'm with Ming Ming Sai. Ming Sai, that's yeah. a great chef. Yes, yeah, we have together um, an onstage presentation. He's doing some live cooking. I'm doing some wine pouring. We'll see how that goes. It's a good pairing. Yes. And there's some after-hour events, and if I'm not asleep, I will attend them. Okay. <laughs> yes, lots of parties at Pebble Beach. And that was, again, Doreen Winkler. She's a sommelier from New York City. And before that, we had Ryan Di Nicola of Kispaka of Restaurant in Los Angeles. And before that, that was Billy Harris. So that's my wrap-up for uh, Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival. And now we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to hear some interviews from the James Beard Awards in Chicago. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, 
the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chef's Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chef's Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and this is my special on-the-road episode where I'm covering a bunch of festivals that I recently attended. So now we are going to Chicago, where I was at the James Beard Awards. They took place on May 1st, and this was the third year the awards were in Chicago at the Lyric Opera of Chicago, and it's a fantastic venue, and it was a wonderful, um, I mean, it was a wonderful gala itself, but the whole weekend is filled with lots of parties and events, and um, it's a good time. So I was up in the press room, and I spoke with many of the night's winners. So first up, we're going to hear from Mark Furstenberg of Bread First in Washington, D.C., who won for Outstanding Baker, and then we have Gaia Olvera of Danielle Restaurant in New York City who won for Outstanding Pastry Chef. And then it will be wine time with Nelson Dakeep of Canlis in Seattle, who won for Outstanding Wine Program. So take a listen. We met a few months ago. I was at your bakery with my friend Pichet Ong. Do you remember? Right. Okay. Yeah, no, so I'm so honored um, that I met you and that I was able to try all your pastries, and congratulations. I'm super. This is my third nomination, so I would be. I didn't expect to win, but I, it, I can't say that it's a surprise. They didn't pluck me from the larger audience. Um, so, but it feels it feels good. I um, I've had a, a an unusual and varied career, and it's one that my older sister used to say makes any sensible person feel like a fraud. Because I didn't go to medical school and do an in, uh, do an internship and residency to become a doctor. I didn't take uh, a PhD in order to become a college professor. I just did the things that interested me when when I got interested in them. And so I've never felt completely at home in any of the professions uh, that I've had. But I've been a baker now for 30 years, and this uh, this feels very comfortable to me, much more so than anything else I've done. Uh, I've had three bakeries um, con- consecutively, not concurrently. Uh, this is the best one. Where were your other bakeries? They were. They the were first all- was in uh, in the neighborhood in which I'm now located, not so far, only half a mile from where my bakery is now. The second was downtown, a block from the White House, and. Uh, um, I got into it because I was uh, I was writing for the Washington Post. Do so you have any desire to open more bakeries? Or Definitely is this, not. No. We get, we get uh, literally a request a week to open a bakery. Come to New York City. Perfectly, <laughs> perfectly happy to finance it, and I have no interest whatever. I'm going to be 80 next year. Wow. Uh, why Incredible. would I want to spend my time doing that? Hi, I'm here with Gaia Overa, who just went outstanding pastry chef at near the pastry chef at Danielle. Congratulations, I'm so happy for you. Um, how does it feel? How does this what did you did you were you anticipating it? Were you trying not to think about it? Uh, not really. Um, it's hard to, when you compete with a lot of 
other talented pastry chefs. Um, you just let it happen. That's it. You know. If yeah. You deserve it. You deserve it. If uh, it's not your 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 chance, well, you know, somebody else. How long have you been with Danielle? And the- now 16 years. 16 years. And you, did you start? What position did you start as? I started as a commie, pastry commie, uh, doing a lot of little things that uh, nobody wants to do. You know. Uh, Ganaches, cutting a little biscuit, uh, piping the macaron, and uh, you know, like simple things like that. And you just uh, need to work your way up, you know, slowly. But the key is uh, a lot of patience, a lot of patience, which is something I don't have at all. When you know, when you have more experience in a lot of things, you just want to go, okay, this is gonna happen, you know, I'm gonna put it together, I just wanna see the result right now. already how it's going to come out. So, right. This, to me, I have no patience at all just to get my creativity and uh, my desserts coming up. But just, I wish if it was magic, everything's magical, like I snap my fingers and it's done. And just the thoughts and the idea and the techniques are there. And sometimes, uh, of course, you have to wait, you have to be patient, uh, wait for the freezer, wait to cook, wait to set, you know, a lot of things. Yeah. Yes. Have you always been with Danielle or any of his other restaurants? Uh, in the pastry world, was um, was with Danielle. Okay. Um, I did work in another pastry uh, in a, re- a restaurant um, called the Placido Domingo. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think it still exists. Um, I got a chance to to do a little bread and. The pastry chef uh, one day didn't show up. I guess I got uh, thrown in, uh, in the word that I was a little uh, hesitated about it. Um, I started had to come up with things, and I think that's where I started feeling pastry more. You've, you've paid your dues for sure, and uh, I think so. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I have so much respect for for you and chefs um, all together. And just one thing, I, I wish that everybody, all the future uh, pastry chefs, uh, has a lot of patience and commitment to this to this world of restaurant business. Um, it could be very rough, but um, like my chef told me one day, it was my two first weeks at Café Boulou, and I was like, chef, I don't think I can do this. He looked at me, he didn't like say anything, he's just, you know, just one thing. You take it or you leave it, and that's it. That's what it is. And just it's a decision, you know, you right. need to struggle with yourself. Well, it's good advice. <laughs> How are you going to celebrate? Ooh. <laughs> bodies, girl. Yeah. There's a lot of bodies this year, so we'll see where Chef Daniel wants to take us. My name's Nelson DeKip. I'm and from Canlis Restaurant in Seattle. And you just won outstanding wine program. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So I was saying, I was at Canlis five years ago, mm-hmm. solo. I loved it. Um, how long have you been with the restaurant? This will be my 15th year. 15? Yes. So you were there then. Mm-hmm. I just didn't meet you. Um, what did you start as? What position? Uh, like a back server. Oh, really? So a yeah. So when did you start becoming a psalm and did you, you and know, how did I you was, learn? Thank you for I was there and I wanted to, I always wanted to be uh, part of the restaurant culture. And then it was Shane Bjornum who was the master psalm, or he was a wine director at the time, saw something in me and said, I want to like polish you off and, and take you through this. And I said, you know, somebody believed in me so much that I said, all right, let's do this. And I sort of built the confidence in myself to go forward and, and try to pursue being a master sommelier and then gaining confidence in being a sommelier altogether. So that was sort of the building blocks for four years. That's all I did, just work at it. And uh, at the time, you know, we had... Seattle was just growing up as a wine community, as a city. So there were a lot of people to support. There were a lot of people just kind of figuring things out. And then there was this restaurant on the top of the hill at that time was 55 years old. And I was like, I'm part of something really special here. It's a special restaurant. It truly is. It really is. There's something magical about it. So how are you going to celebrate here in Chicago? Uh, I I don't know. Tonight, I think we're just (laughs) going to go to to a couple of parties. Yeah. Yeah. 
hang out, have some fun, drink some bubbles. And this time of year, we were here last year, but it was great to see all the friends. It's like a good community of people just hanging out together. So I want to see the rest of the restaurateurs, the chefs, people that we've got some great relationships with. Um, that's what I want to do. And then take this home to Seattle tomorrow and celebrate and party with the team when I get back. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Seattle is very proud and, yeah, and, so. and all of your colleagues. So, again, congratulations. Thank you, Sherry. Yes, congratulations. Again, that was Mark Furstenberg, Gaia Overa, and Nelson Da Keep. And uh, they all won in their, their respected categories. And now we're going to design. So Avro co-designers Christina O'Neill, William Harris, Adam Farmery, and Greg Bradshaw they won Restaurant Design Award for 75 seats and under for their single thread in Healdsburg, California. Um, and uh, yeah, I got to interview all four of them. So here, take a listen. Hi, all four of you. Hello, how are you? I'm you great, but I think you guys are better. You just won design for Single Thread Farm in Healdsburg, California. You did? Yeah. Yes. So excited about that. So excited. I w- had dinner there on Friday night, like three days ago, and it, I, I thought it was... Is it holding was, up okay? It is, well, yes. It was, uh-huh. it was, out, it was outstanding. I thought I thought the design was, was, was brilliant in the whole experience. So, well, first of all, tell me all of your names, and then I want to know how uh, four of you work together. So I'm William. Okay. Christina. Greg. Adam. It's like a band. Very... <laughs> American. Right? So how do you how do you work together on projects? I mean, who's who does what? We Swap crush it. <laughs> <laughs> no, different different people take the lead on different projects and other people support them. And ultimately we've had this methodology for the past um, 15 years that the company has been running, if not the past 25 years that we've known each other. Yeah. Um, we started out as friends, and as friends, we always had a very open conversation with each other's work, um, whether it was in the art studio or the architecture studio, and that's continued. So, ultimately, the way that we work is that you know, certain people take responsibility for a project, and I think Single Thread, Greg, took responsibility for that project as a partner in charge of that, and he had a great team working on it out of San Francisco as well as New York, and then we all supported him in ways that were very constructive and collaborative, and that's kind of the way we always work. So was, there's always a, uh, a synergy that happens. And that into that, like, Kyle and Katina are kind of awesome. They are kind of awesome. Kind of awesome. Not even kind of. Inspiring. Not even just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Katina, as a farmer, as an incredible, talented lady farmer, she's doing amazing things. Kyle, of course, with his history. So they were both so inspiring to the project. It was very, very easy to design. We fell in love with them very early on. They're so obsessive and they care so much. And I think that's something we've always, has always connected us as a group as well. Just like this unbridled. Passion, adoration, and and excitement, and so it was. It was a natural fit, and and really blossomed quite, quite successfully. I think so. But also, just to give a little quick, like, nod to our friends at Bokeh Group, that we were also nominated for James Beard Award tonight, and we didn't win. But the Bokeh Group was the same way as Kyle and and Katina are. Like, they are. Like, we get attracted to very emotional, very passionate humans that love what they're doing and why they do it. And I think it was quite special for us as a group to have two Beard nominations tonight um, even though they're very different projects and they're very different groups of people I think both groups are very passionate. Yeah, they are. They, they actually are very similar. Yeah, they really are. They really are. And Cal and Katina and, and Rob and Kevin are basically pieces of pie. Yeah, and they're then that can't be understated. You know, like good projects come out of good clients. I'm I'm big fans of the Boca Group too, and so how how hands on or how 
how much collaboration goes back and forth when you're working with owners and, and trying to make their vision a reality. Or, or, or how long did Single Thread, let's say, take? Was yeah. that like, was that like years? Like 12 years. Uh, single uh, single Thread was even unique amongst the many unique projects we do because Kyle and Katina had incredible vision. And also their partner, Tony Greenberg. They all basically as a team, they were uh, solid. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. And so that helps us. We feel like always that's a benefit to the design process. How are you going to go celebrate? Big, we, what's the part? What's we the plan? Are, we are going to duck duck. Are we going to girl and the girl goat, and the goat tonight yeah. with our dear friends and clients, uh, Boca, which we've mentioned before. And we're going to celebrate like crazy. And um, it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. And then at some point, ideally around 5 in the morning, I hope that we're going to make some form of ice cream sundae. Oh, I like this plan. <laughs> right? Alcoholic ice cream sundae. <laughs> get two hours of sleep and then get on to an 8 a.m. flight tomorrow. It's a great plan. I don't know if they did it, but uh, I hope they did. And finally, from the Beard Awards, we have Oxy's Gabrielle Quinones. Denton and Greg Denton, who won for Ox, Best Chef Northwest, and we have Chef Sarah Grunenberg of Monteverde, who won for Best Chef Great Lakes. Take a listen. Was this your first nomination? This no. is our third nomination. Third. Your third. Yeah. Same category? Same yes. category. Okay, so how does this feel? Uh, like heaven? Like, yeah, like heaven and marshmallows and the best orgasms you've ever had. Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. And puppies. And puppies. Yeah. Yeah, so so how do you how do you guys work together um, as a team? Uh, Precariously. <laughs> and easily at the same yeah, time. Yeah, no, we're very fortunate. We we've been working together since the day we met. We met cooking in a restaurant in St. Helena, California, called Tara, um, who's the chefs are actually nominated tonight for best service. I'm familiar with it. I haven't been there, but yeah, yeah, but that's where you met. That's where we met. We were cooking there, and then uh, we moved to Hawaii for a little while, and then we settled in Portland nine years ago, and uh, we've cooked together almost every day since we met. Wow. Uh, We've always been in kitchens together. And Stephen Starr just won as we're speaking, yeah. which is awesome. Wow, he's having a good night too because Le Cuckoo won. Yeah, yeah. Um, incredible. So, uh, what brought you to Portland? Uh, well, we were in Hawaii, in Maui, Hawaii, for five years before Portland, and uh, Maui is fantastic. But at some point in time, we knew that we wanted to open a restaurant. It's not very easy on the islands to open a restaurant. There's a lot of there's, it's an island. I've been to Maui, and I, I was thinking of opening a second office there (laughs) just because well jokingly because it's so well not I don't know it's because it's gorgeous but yeah um, I don't know if I really would Um, but I know the Portland dining scene I mean it's really strong and it's it's a it's a great well especially when we when we were there um, it was about nine years ago we lived there for nine years and uh, you know you would we went and ate at Le Pigeon which is a famous restaurant in Portland and it's just one of those things that you're like oh this is this is attainable because you see the size and the mismatched silverware and plateware and communal and there was just a vibe that you're like like in Hawaii it was like there's no way you can do it without someone you need a million dollars just to just to begin thinking about having you know opening a restaurant somewhere in Portland it seemed a lot scrappier and with just a lot more opportunity there and then also there was seasons too where in Maui there's not seasons and I'm originally from the east coast so I grew up with seasons and so that really, that really, that's something deep in my heart that I always want to braise something or I always want to do something. Yeah, you want to activity. serve cold weather, you know, you want to cook cold weather food and um, braises and roasts and all these things that, that, yes, you could cook those in Maui, but nobody wants to buy those things in Maui. They want to eat the grilled fresh fish. They want to eat the tropical fruits, which are delicious and we love them. And every time we go to Maui, that's all we eat. Yes. But but we missed the variety of a, of a place with four distinct seasons. And so it was kind of a no-brainer. And how did you come up with the concept of the box? Um, well, we met we at, at Terra. Uh, we, we worked on all stations, and then we found that uh, 
there was a, a car, charcoal fired grill there, and we kind of, uh, kind of our relationship turned into something else about the time that we were both on that station together. It's like to say, sparks flew. Ah, pun, pun intended. Pun in- My first time out to feast Portland. I did go to Ox by myself, and I had an incredible meal. Oh, good. And then I was back last year, and I checked out your new place, mm. Super Bite, right? Yes. Which is totally different concept. Completely. So how did that come about? You just yeah. That's our love for that's our love for uh, amuse bouche or tasting menus or Paris bistro, kind of all mixed in together. And that we love we love what grazing through a menu, but not overdoing it. And not subjecting yourself to a formal tasting menu necessarily, but uh, being able to taste a lot of different things. In a sense, it was an antidote to ox. Are you thinking of a third? No, not right now, but I mean, we just won a James Beard Award, so we're thinking of like our ninth. You did. (laughs) You did. All right. Think ahead. This is your first nomination? First nomination, and I can't believe I took it home, so it's incredible. It's, um, it's, uh, that guy really, really uh, made me do it. Oh, my freaking God. <laughs> oh, Tony. <laughs> I can't believe it. Thank you for believing in me. And that was Sarah Grunberg of Monteverde embracing Tony Mantuano of Spiaggio, her mentor. And I caught that moment on sound. If I had a video camera, um, you would have seen the emotion even more. But it was quite special to, to see that and be there. So congratulations to all of the James Beard winners, nominees, everyone involved. Um, just glad to be a part of. Okay, so we're going to move right now into my final festival segment, which is on Hot Luck, which was the first inaugural festival in Austin, which took place May 18th to 21st, and it was a fabulous three-day live food and music celebration. So here I have interviews with two of the co-founders, Mike Thielen, who is also the co-founder of Feast in Portland, and... Aaron Franklin of Franklin Barbecue, the king of barbecue. So take a listen. Hi, Mike Thielen. <laughs> Sherry, how's Woo. it going? I'm good, how are you? Good, I always love seeing you. I love seeing Usually you too. Usually at after parties and bar rooms and random places in different cities and different time zones. Yes, and so here we are in Austin. How did you come up with this, this festival? Well, you know... This was the product of uh, literally a conversation that happened around beer with Aaron Franklin, James Moody, and myself. You know, um, we all, I think, bring something really unique to, um, I, you know, different sorts of skills, unique skills. You know, I'm, I've produced food festivals for 10 years, so we do Feast Portland. You know, the festival we do is kind of known for having a high personality and being kind of edgy and leading with kind of emerging talent. Aaron is, you know, obviously a very well-respected barbecue guy, probably the most well-respected barbecue guy in the country. Yeah. And very passionate. And he's also a really good welder, which is he's basically made half the cooking equipment you're going to see this weekend. And then Moody's an old music guy and branding guy. So, you know, Moody basically created this beautiful brand, named the festival. Um, Aaron reached out to a lot of his chef's friends, added a lot of the personality, a lot of the quirkiness to it, and, uh, you know, and, and did things like made all the signs and, like, you know, really cool stuff that he that he did it himself with his own hands and you know team feast team myself and team feast came in and produced the event so yeah i was going to ask you if it was a lot of the same people because yeah. having been to feast now mm-hmm. twice and yeah. i know how well organized it is and all the events are so fun so Machine. yeah this is different <laughs> i mean it's the same you know it's it's sort of uh you know it's a my partner, our partner Moody, likes to call it a well-run tailgate, you know. And I think, you know, the the tailgate he says is sort of the 
you know, the sort of come as you are kind of familial vibe, which I think we're really trying to go for here. It's if you look, it's like, you know, cooking over fire, it's picnic tables, a lot of really great chefs, but, you know, we're encouraging people to do things that are not too fancy, just really straightforward and, you know, really kind of soul food, if you will. And, you know, and then Feast is, is producing the event and, and coordinating the logistics. So, you know, it's a really good team of people that come together and put this on. Yeah. And how, how did the name Hot Luck come about? What? Well, I got to give, you know, credit uh, to, you know, Moody, James Moody and his team. They just have a knack for kind of nailing it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, the, we, they presented us a few names. I can't even remember what the other two were. Actually, one of them was Al Fuego, which is the name of our Saturday night event. Um, so we ended up using that. But, you know, hot luck, it rhymes with potluck. It's hot in Texas. It, it kind of evokes imagery of cooking over fire. We didn't want anything, that, you know, in the same manner. Kind of like when we started Feast, we didn't want a festival that was like, you know, Portland Food, food Festival or whatever. Because everyone does that, and that doesn't differentiate you as a brand. Hot luck is taking that one step further. It's just, you know, something that, you know, that those guys are really passionate about their city, Austin, and really passionate about their state, Texas. They wanted something to really reflect reflected regionality and reflected the really cool culinary scene happening here and, and around Texas but also um, you know something that was non-pretentious that was completely laid back and, and that's really what Hot Luck is. It's really supposed to feel like a backyard barbecue. And, I mean if you look around it kind of does, doesn't We're it? We're in a backyard barbecue yeah. right now. Tell me more about the music because you know I know a lot more about the food world. Well so you know that's another, so basically you know, we're in Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world and you know, we decided this awesome Aaron's background and Moody's background, even my my background to a certain extent, you know, we'd all been people who were really interested in music before we were we got into food, and uh, we wanted to do some music shows. So the idea was we have evening food events like this event, and then at night we booked shows at rock clubs all around town. So oh, we wow. have you know seven or eight you know really good music shows happening around town, and in each of those there's a food component. So you know the first night we had Thurston Moore who was you know, the lead singer and, and, and front man of Sonic Youth. And he played a show, and uh, we had, you know, Rebecca Mason from um, Houston, who's a pastry chef, and Aaron teamed up and made s'mores. So we had Thurston Moore serving Thurston s'mores. Oh, that's cute. Last night we had, a, a, you know, Black Lips, which is a really good band from Atlanta. They were in town at the Barracuda. We had Olympic Provisions, um, you know, from Portland mm-hmm. there, like handing out hot dogs. Uh, tonight we have Yoshi from Otoko, who's recently named Food & Wine Best New Chef, um, you know, serving, um, you know, tuna of some sort uh, happening during a Shona Knife show, which is a kind of legendary Japanese rock band. So, you know, there's just, we're starting small. I mean, Hot Luck, we wanted to do, I think, in all, we did seven music shows and four food events, and then there's a lot of industry stuff going on, as there always is. But the idea was to plant a seed, you know, and, and then if if it was something that people really took to and, you know, our, our teams and all of our stakeholders and all of our partners felt that everyone loved, then it's something, you know, we'll, we'll grow in the future. We're here at Hot Luck Fest. Uh, this is the High Low event on Friday night. And, uh, yeah, this is our maiden voyage, first year. So how did you come to collaborate with Mike Thielen on this event? Well, it, Mike and I mentioned it kind of talked about maybe about four years ago. I was like, you know, it'd be pretty cool to have something neat in Austin that's kind of like the anti-festival festival, something, you know, like Austin. And then a couple years went by, we didn't mess with it, we kind of kept talking about it a little bit. And then uh, Mike was in town, and I ripped in my friend James Moody, who, uh, you know, owns a club here, actually owns Fair Market, does a lot of cool stuff, had a music festival here in town, and... Um, we just had beers one afternoon. It's like, well, this is kind of what I want to do. And Mike's like, yeah, kind of what I want to do. And Moody's like, yeah, it's kind of what I want to do, too. Let's do it. And then skip ahead about a year and a half. Uh, our legal stuff finally came through. And then we built this thing in three and a half months. Amazing. Well, that's how the best ideas come about, right? Over beers. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's the true Austin way. We kind of had our industry opening party at uh, Franklin Barbecue. And super backyard tailgate, backyard barbecue style. Really fun. Hadn't had a, uh, hadn't been to a homegrown backyard uh, barbecue in a long, long time, and it was fun. Yeah. When did you open Franklin Barbecue? We opened Franklin Barbecue about seven years ago. Okay. So I haven't been. What's my strategy with the line? We're trickling at about six o'clock. Really, you can get there about seven thirty. Still be pretty close to the front. 
We open at 11. It's good times. People make okay. friends, yeah. drink some beers, eat some food, slow down a little bit, and just have a good time, man. It just have fun. Great. Just have fun. Yeah. Just like hot luck. Just have fun. Is no pretension. Just no pretension. Out. One more question. What other what restaurant should I go to in town besides your own? What would you What would you say is a, a must must go to? You should absolutely go to Uchiko. It's my all time okay. favorite restaurant of the whole Heard wide world. Love that place. Yeah. Um, you should go to Emerald Rye. Super awesome. Laundrette's amazing. Contigo's really really great. Uh, Pueblo Viejo Taco on Sixth uh, and Cabal. It's a trailer. Super good. Valentina's Tex Mex is one of my favorite places. Best gosh darn tortillas in uh, in Austin. And um, oh, Veracruz All Natural is really awesome. And uh, Figure Eight's kind of my favorite coffee shop right now. And Houndstooth is really great too. Okay, you definitely filled my three days in Austin. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you so much. Congratulations. Absolutely. Welcome to Texas. Thanks. Yes, thanks, Aaron Franklin. And um, I was able to get to your place, luckily, because Resi did this amazing backyard barbecue um, one of the days over the festival. So I didn't have to wake up at 6 a.m., um, but uh, I did get to go. And I did wake up early another day, which I'm about to share now, my solo dining experience, which involves that that early wake-up time. So... The last part of the show, here we go. Solo dining experience of the week. It's at Veracruz All Natural. Here's the rundown. The location, 1704 East Cesar Chavez Street, Austin, Texas. The concept, authentic Mexican cuisine out of a food trailer. The chefs and owners, Reina and Merit. Maritza, who are sisters and best friends, originally from Veracruz, Mexico. Why did I go? Because it was highly recommended by many industry peeps, including Aaron Franklin and Andrew Knowlton, Knowlton of Bon Appetit, who I ran into the night before at Kimura Tatsuya, and uh, I had to have authentic tacos before I left town. So my experience. So as I said, I got up early. They opened at 7 a.m., and I was there right when they opened. I had a driver drop me off with my suitcase as I was on my way to the airport, and um, I was the first there, and uh, I w- had to wait about 10 minutes because they had this big catering order that they were taking care of. Um, but they took my order, and some customers started to arrive after me, and um, it was it was a bit drizzling out, so it was luckily they have this, like... Um, I mean, it's literally in a parking lot, but they have they have um, a little picnic table and a canopy. So I, I waited for my order. And what did I get? I had one migas breakfast taco with eggs, tortilla chips, avocado, pico de gallo, and Monterey cheese in a homemade corn tortilla. It's pressed and cooked fresh to order. My take, hit the spot, breakfast of champions. And I also added some homemade salsa and hot sauce to it. And it was really delicious. So the ambiance, as I said, is kind of rustic uh, in a parking lot uh, to order out of a trailer. And um, yeah, but it's uh, casual and cool. Perfect for a quick and cheap, delicious breakfast. Interesting tidbit. Veracruz has been named one of the top five tacos in America by the Food Network. And they now have other trailer locations in Texas. I was at the original. Personal fun fact. I made it on time to my 9 a.m. flight with plenty of time to spare. No problem. The cost, $3.50. Would I go back? You bet. Website is veracruztacos.com. And that's it. That's my show. So um, thank you all for tuning in to this special edition of All in the Industry, On the Road. I hope you enjoyed all of these moments that I was able to capture and uh, just give some shout outs to there are so many people involved in, in making this happen for me. But shout out to David Allen Bernal, Wagstaff Worldwide, Pebble Beach Food and Wine, The Venetian, Lisa Marchese, Susan Hosmer, Food and Wine Magazine, Magrino Agency, The James Beard Foundation, Mike Thielen, Giant Noise, Hot Luck, 
all of my interviewees and all the winners of James Beard, congratulations. Um, and everyone who I interviewed is just really awesome people in the, in the industry of, who've been quite successful and um, glad to meet you and get to know you. Um, it, was, it was a blast. Uh, you can check out these website, the websites for the festivals at pebblebeachfoodandwine.com, at jamesbeard.org, and hotluckfest.com. And I realize I'm calling the James Beard Awards a festival, and it is sort of a festival, even though it's an awards gala. But um, yeah, there there it is. As a reminder, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. And you can find all of our archive shows at HeritageRadioNetwork.org, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. Next week, June 7th, I will have a guest here in the studio. It is Mark Oldman, and he has a new book out, How to Drink Like a Billionaire. So I hope you'll tune in then. And I have to give a big thanks to my engineer, Vitor. He helped me compile this whole show with all those interviews. So thank you so much. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week. Thank you for being part of all the industry. Bye. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community rate the shows you like tell your friends and please join our community by becoming a member just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. thanks for listening 